J. Dimmick, your producer, and according to J.J., a reductive thinker. And with That's me, right. With That's me right. Is... He's not reading straight from the notes. J.J. <laughs> Wang, your level designer, and Mike Heiberger, your engineer, producer, designer, and RPG fan. How's it going, guys? Hey. Pretty good, pretty good. So I, I noticed, need to specialize like, in something. I noticed you're... like you skipped over my title. I'm an, I'm an Earthbound Nostalgic for this Oh, yeah. So, your, so, J.J. Yeah. wrote down he's the Earthbound Nostalgic. Fine. Yes. That's true. Right, Such right a good below. game. Right below, I'm being called the reductive thinker, and we'll get into why. I think I think we can we can highlight some of those points uh, talking about uh, Undertale. So yeah, so. so let's go over last what we thought about last, what we talked about in our last episode. Um, JJ, uh, so just so just to be clear, you guys have finished the game this time around, right? Not Both only players. once but twice per okay, my instructions. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, two play- your instructions. I didn't give you any instructions, <laughs> but I, I highly recommended that you play through it twice. You told me that the way I perceive the game could change if I played it twice, so I would be would have been remiss in not uh, playing it at least twice. I agree in this assessment. I <laughs> I can back AJ up on this. Um, I also have played it twice. Okay. I played it once last time, and I played it another time since then, and. From what I understand, I played longer than you did, JJ. At least that's what you told me. Yes. To let everyone to let everyone know, this is a part two, so this is not a spoiler-free uh, episode. We will talk about spoilers. It is a free-for-all episode. If you haven't played the game or heard our first episode, we recommend you go back to that, and that will be a spoiler-free discussion of the mechanic and the game. Yeah, I think this game especially is important that um, if you're coming to this fresh, that you don't you kind of go into this game fresh. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I would say so for sure. So, J.H., why don't, you, why don't you start us off? You were, the, you were the one that had played it multiple... How many times have you beaten this game, I, I played it twice, and this past um, week, I actually watched a Let's Play of the third way of playing it, which is the genocide route, because um, I believe that if you actually do the genocide route, the game will lock down. Like, it will... You'll, you'll essentially destroy the world, and when you try to start it up, it will just be a black screen and just be like, you destroyed the world, go away. So I didn't want that in my save file. I don't know how... I I believe it's very, very difficult to try to reset that because the game doesn't allow you to reset it once that happens. To do a little little recap, uh, Undertale is by Toby Fox and it's sort of his... uh, Sort of his commentary slash love letter, I would say, to traditional old-school RPGs. Especially Earthbound. Very, very Earthbound inspired. Especially Earthbound. Heavily inspired. Story follows the... the, uh, main character falls down a hole in a world where monsters and humans had been at war with one another, but the monsters were banished to the underworld to this down a cave or a hole. And the character <laughs> fall, the character who is a uh, sort of nondescript, maybe a little, uh, well, his name is Frisk, but he's supposed to be you. Right. So also, it's not entirely, this is something we'll probably talk about later. It's not entirely made clear that the main character is a he or a she. And that, that is clearly deliberate. Um, oh, yes. Very androgynous by nature. Yep. And the art style confirms that, and it, it does a really good job conveying that. But the game, 
the game is an RPG and it's not. It kind of blurs the bound the bounds of being an RPG versus a straight up adventure title. And I think I said that last week. You did say I that. Think yeah. To to for Toby Fox to try to make this more of a commentary or subversion of RPGs, he just made it more of an adventure game, which I thought right. was kind of, I don't know, I don't I don't have I don't have a set judgment assigned to that, but well, I, let's um, let's let's continue on with the discussion about how our impressions changed, and let's start with you, JJ, and you were talking about what were your impressions from last week, or what were your uh, predictions? Well, I really liked the game last week, and I think I. It's funny, I, I liked it more with how the game changes based on your playthrough. Um, so I, I would say mostly my impressions haven't changed. But I will say that um, upon thinking about the story, there are some things in the end that I thought were a little bit like plot holes. It gets very, very anime-ish at the end with like the antagonist consuming all the souls and stuff. And that makes them... I thought like that part was a little bit um, ham-fisted. So uh, maybe just a tad down on the story. But overall, I still really, really liked the game, and I still thought it was a pretty effective ending. Okay. Um, and so just to kind of be clear, we did we all play the pacifist route? Or I, I guess did. to be more specific, our first playthrough is just a neutral route, and the second playthrough is the pacifist route. Well, you see, yes. so this game is a game where you kind of gives you two outs or three outs or whatever to what to your engagements in in battles against against characters in your traditional rpg sort of elements where you can you can kind of interact with the character and kind of talk by one means or another of intimidating them or or getting a relationship with them you can you can get out of every fight you can take a pacifist route or you can fight them and kill them and i kind of said this last week that but after I had been through three fights and kind of identified the mechanic, it was very clear to me you weren't actually supposed to fight him. And I kind of think that was the point of the game is because he, 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 he's clearly trying to humanize, humanize monsters and you're supposed to see the people that you encounter in a more human way. And it's kind of a changing the rules of they're just bad guys trying to kill you every time. Uh, they have reasons. And so they try to make you see two sides to every relationship with the game or or that both sides are just people kind of thing. And so I fought the first few things that that uh, I encountered because that's what you do. And I had that expectation from 25 years of playing RPGs and, and quickly realized I wasn't supposed to do it. So I only killed about, in my first go through, I only killed the first two or three things and then didn't the rest of the way. Uh, because clearly, it's very clear the game was inviting me not to do that. And very clear Definitely. to me that that was sort of the point. So when I got through my neutral run, when I hadn't killed something, except in like the first two or three things of the game, first two or three encounters in the game, that was very frustrating to me. Because I feel like if you're going to hold that kind of distinction of I'm choosing a path, you have to teach me what the hell's going on before, before I'm, I'm going to be held accountable to do that. But he clearly wanted you to play the game, then play the game again. Uh, yes. to get to this additional content. And this game to me, uh, I mean, I, I sort of gave this impression up last week. This game adds so many features and so many different so many different ways to interact with it and so many things going on that it is effectively nothing. It, the game has no identity. It's not an RPG. It's sort of a commentary on RPGs. It's sort of an adventure. There's really no payoff because... I there, I have a million different ways to get through everything. There are there is nothing to master here. 
You know, I I agree with a lot of that. So when I came off uh, the podcast last week at the end, I said, you know, judging by this kind of second playthrough idea, I was, I was expecting to be blown away a little bit, and maybe mm-hmm. that's unfair to the game, but I was expecting to kind of have a, a sort of change of heart. But I actually kind of came away... So I did and I didn't, um, which is, I know, the worst criticism or uh, commentary on anything is maybe I did, maybe I didn't, but... Uh, no, but I completely I, agree. I did, but I didn't too. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I played through it the second time. So I found this out of, and maybe this will assuage some of your, your anger there, AJ, or maybe just, maybe just uh, reinforce it. The first playthrough, you can't do a pacifist route. I, I didn't know that. I assume. Yeah. So that first playthrough, no matter what you do, even if you save everyone, which I did, you can't beat the game in the the best ending it requires a second playthrough no matter what to get the quote-unquote best ending where you kind of you are a pacifist and save everyone and so i saved everyone the first playthrough like i didn't ever fight anything and i kind of i kind of cheated i kind of knew ahead of time that that's that's what i was getting at you you knew ahead of time that the game sort of had that element to it and and Right. I didn't come to it completely cold just because I had some awareness of it, like culturally, and I knew it kind of had this sort of like pacifist thing going on or this like way to interact with the fights a little bit more. Um, and so I immediately went for like, well, I guess I'll just try to save these things and see what happens, right? Um, and so I, I did that the entire way through, and I, and I didn't, you know, I, I had the neutral route, basically. Um, so when I played it, and, and that was fine for the first time because I thought the second playthrough was going to be a big change. Turns out it's not at all, actually. Like, three quarters of the game was pretty much exactly the same, maybe even more, uh, for me at least, because I'd already done all of it pacifist. Uh, the only thing I, I I did find out was there... I hadn't befriended... Um, I can't think of her name. The Fish Knight Lady. Oh, uh, Undyne. Undyne. Undyne, that's it. I hadn't befriended her, so um, I didn't do that the first time. So wait, um, I, l- l- let me ask you. So you can actually, like befriend people on your first playthrough yeah and i, I befriended um Papyrus. see that's something i didn't know and um i hate to cut you off but oh, when no, i no. when i played through this game i played it like an rpg um i knew there was things okay so to preface this i played lisa before i played this and in lisa which is another game we might be doing in the future um it is another game that's sort of like you play as a bad person and you're not supposed to feel good about the violence that you commit but in lisa there's no choices you literally go through like like for example this one character says oh i don't really want to fight anymore can we just not fight and you have no choice but to just kill him so that's what i thought this was going to do and that's mostly what i went into i was just like i knew there was the kind of a pacifist message going into it but i i knew you could save some people but for me i just played it straight I played it and I was like, I don't really... Anybody who tries to fight me, I will kill. But anybody who tries to run away, I will let them go. That's kind of how I played it. So when I played through it, I killed Papyrus. I killed Undyne. I didn't know you could kill Papyrus. You can kill everybody. Well, I, I guess I, I never tried, so I mean, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. No, I well, you know, they, they were pushing me to not kill him. And I was like, well, this guy wants to kill me. So, fucking stand your ground. I'm going to fucking kill you. So, I killed him. Well, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Man, don't back JJ into a corner. Man, that dude will shank you. Hey, in, in Florida, that's totally legal. Anyways. Stand your ground. I just, I just went, fuck it. So, I Castle killed him. Castle doctrine, JJ. I, I totally killed him. 
and um, I went through the game for Undyne the same thing too. I was just like, you are fucking stabbing me and like stop throwing spears at me. I am going yeah. to kill you. Yeah, exactly. It's a fucking self defense, man. So I just played it the self defense route, and I killed essentially most of the boss, most of the boss characters, and then he, I got let's say Gandhi and like the Dalai Lama. They'd all be very upset with you that even well, in the face of violence, you're supposed to be peaceful. Instead, yeah, well, just came back eh, with violence. Come on, eh, whatever. Anyways, um. <laughs> When I got to the end and I replayed it again, see, this is where why I felt very strongly about the game was because I actively tried to play a pacifist. And when I did that, um, the characters I killed had their whole lives opened up, which didn't happen to me on my first playthrough because I fucking killed them. So for me, I think for this kind of like, there's a lot of like, you know, like if you play games like Telltale or a lot of um, like maybe like Fallout, if you, if there's a character that's killable, um, usually they don't have that big of a story because the developers don't want to put all this effort into something that you could just kill off and just, right, right, not experience. It's if you're looking at like a, what would be considered a, a burn down chart or priority list of what you're going to put in the game, you're not going to spend a lot of no. time on something that people may not right. uh, see at all. So right? for me, what made this game really compelling to me was that I, I saw a whole bunch of content with characters mm-hmm. that I killed. Because the first time I played through, I played through normally. I didn't, I, wasn't, I didn't grind, I didn't... And anybody who wanted to leave or wanted to change their mind was just like, whatever, I usually let them leave. With Undyne, she doesn't try to stop fighting, if that makes sense. No, there, um, so, there's a hint to her that she says, like, if you check her, she sa- it says she is the, like, uh, unstoppable knight yeah. or, like, you yeah. know, she'll never give up. And you have to run away from her. That's yeah, it. yeah. And I, I didn't get that in the first time. It takes me forever to find that out. So. Yeah, well, I didn't yeah, get that but, in the first time. So I just waited for, for her to give up. And she never gave up. I was like, well, fuck it. You're dead then. And she dies. But when I, when I played it through again. I'm trying and to be I, merciful here. Now and I, you're dead. <laughs> and, I be, and I befriended her. And I saw all this like story with her, this cutscene, how she interacted with other characters. If you did let her go, and it was just that was super compelling to me because I was just like, well, I just fucking brutally murdered you the first time, and now like that I didn't, you have all this life to live later on. So I thought that was super effective, but I didn't know that you could actually befriend and see all this content in your first playthrough, anyways. Now, if I yeah. had realized that, I probably wouldn't have been as up about this game as before i just thought this is something you have to experience on your second time Uh, otherwise you would just lose it i wish i had your experience to be honest because and i don't know i just i read this game pretty easily i kind of figured out what it was doing immediately everything in this game is is, is telegraphed i mean everything is telegraphed see i i to I be think a little fa- subtlety would have gone a long to be, way. To be fair to this game, and I said this last week, if you if you look at the elements individually of this game, the playing little mini games as, as a fighting as a fighting mechanic in an RPG, I think that's a, I think that's amazing. That's cool, and it's oh, yeah. done fairly well. Uh, to oh, yeah. have a dialogue system to interact with uh, with enemies in, in, as a combat system, that too is cool. Um, the the, the, the stupid little mini game of a meter going back and forth, where you have to hit it in the middle to to uh, hit as hard as you can in their little combat system. That too is I'm fine with that. Uh, to have a puzzle mechanic in your level design, those are cool. But this game throwing all that in together uh, undermines each other. The the combat system is to me. I know it's done for narrative purposes, but there's no mechanic here, and the narrative purposes. I mean. 
it isn't clear and there's not a big enough payoff for it, especially for playing a game not only once but twice through the exact same content. I just think this game this game couldn't choose what it wanted to be. And so it tried to be everything and it was really ineffective for me to do, try to do that. And the notion that I I mean I thought the end the first end was cool and and to have your your boss fight and your your bigger boss fight uh with Flowey or I mean, yeah, he has Flowey a really he has is. a really really awkward name. Yeah. I think it's meant to be I think that's purposeful. Like Of course it's purposeful. purposeful. Yeah. yeah. I mean yeah. Th- I mean I thought I thought those on their own that that was kind of cool. I just think I just think this game is having an identity crisis and it had to try to figure out what it was. And all those individual elements, all of which I kind of thought were good, uh, were, not, were not good combined. I mean, if you think about a game as its most elementary thing of something that gives you interesting choices, the choices in Undertale are not interesting at all. Right. Well, and so I kind of segue this into some of the more you know, in-depth design discussion. I, I do think that, you know, just like you said, repeating a bunch of content that I'd already seen was really boring to me, right? So the first three hours of the second playthrough was bad. But I do feel like maybe if the the fight system was a little more masterful, right? Like it was an interesting, like, twist on it, and then that was it. And I, and I briefly mentioned this last week as, as what I kind of jokingly called the Phil Fish problem, but... It's where it was like this very surface level sort of, oh, we're going to make a, you know, bullet hell type dodgy thingy in our fight system, right? Like it's this arcade thing. But then you didn't really go super far with it. There were a few variations, but for the most part, it wasn't very difficult. And there were times when I was just... It wasn't very difficult. Yeah. And I was just surviving until I could hit the button enough times to give up, right? Like, or to give, or for the... uh, the I will, enemy to give up. I will say and that was a, really boring. I will say that's a big problem for me too. And yeah, it's like for me, yeah, I know you have seven lines of dialogue to go through and I have to just dodge seven things or keep doing this seven times or ten times. Well, or 20 even times. even even on top of boring. that. Even on top of that, for some of the monsters, and this like I said, this was something that I was gonna bring up going into it, uh, before we even decided to pick up this game. Um, sometimes I have no idea how to actually get somebody to give up. And I would, it would just be trial and error. And, and that, that's a, yeah, and you that, just poke and, around. Yeah, and that, and that ended up being horrifically frustrating. Because I was just like, I don't, I can't get this guy to give up. And, and I'm seeing the same dialogue over and over again. What am and, I doing wrong? And that's right. a fail. I mean, if, if you're doing it via trial and error, number one, if the game allows you to do it for trial and error without punishing you, I mean, that's a fail. And number two, when you figure out how to do it, I mean, they were obvious. They were, I mean, most ninety-five percent of the time, the game is telegraphing you instantaneously to tell you how to do it. But oh, yeah. in those instances where you didn't know how to do it, and you're just you're just fishing for it, <laughs> y- y- you have no way of no. You you look back at it and go, well, I have no idea how I would have known that. And if you're saying I have no idea how I would have known that, there's no game. Um, it, right. The systems just fall apart at that point. You're just poking at stuff until it gets. You're just poking at the game until it does what you want, and then you say, okay, well now I'm just going to keep doing this. Yeah, so it's like I didn't learn anything, and I didn't get any better. I just poked around until I did what you wanted me to do. Like I was playing the designer's game; I wasn't playing the game, right? Like I was trying to guess what the designer wanted, which is very similar to adventure games, right? It's old adventure games. Well, bad adventure games, right? Where it's that's like you're not, trying to read the designer's mind. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. And so yeah, you're trying to read, you know, Toby Fox's mind basically, and say, oh, I'm supposed to? Am I supposed to run away from Undyne and then run to the water thing? Am I supposed to? 
just keep fighting her eventually she'll give up i guess there's a hint that says she does she never gives up but like everyone says they never give up right and like so it's just see and, and then you just keep dodging and it's not fun i think this game owes its success to a lot of what fez does and it's sort of the it's bait and switch with your expectations in right. that fez is this successful game because it gives you this this 8-bit art shows you all these very common elements that you've seen a million, million, million times. And then it goes, yeah, it looks just like that. And so you have all these expectations of exactly what you're playing. And then you're like, oh, my God, I just changed perspective. I haven't seen that before. And in this kind of old art style, this 8-bit art style and this mechanic, and it shows you this this new mechanic. And you're like, oh, my hell. With with this bait and switch of looking like an 80s game, you can do that. Then you're expe- right. screwing with your expectations like that. It seems so amazing. And if, if Fez had modern art and the art style, that wouldn't be quite as cool. And I think this game has a lot of the same kind of bait and switch things. It looks like every 80s RPG you've ever seen. And those moments that it kind of exceeds those expectations and does things that those kind of games can't do or don't do, I think uh, exceeding those expectations, I think it does it with a real dramatic flair and the drama in the game is based on a lot of that of that if the art style was more modernized so that you knew that those kind of things were those kind of expectations uh, were upped from that you you wouldn't have that kind of experience it's kind of a bait and switch thing it looks like an old rpg and every time it does something that an old rpg shouldn't be able to do you're like oh my god this is cool it's sort of a i think the art style is really key in this sort of bait and switch thing that it does I will I kind of disagree with that. Um, I think it's. I think that would. That's generally true for a lot of things in this game, but for me, as somebody who, I mean, I think all of us have experience with a lot of interactive fiction games with branching narratives and stuff like that. So sure. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say me, but I think for I played a lot of those types of games where you know characters would die, where you can choose them to die or not. And oftentimes in a lot of those more modern games where that can happen, the content for that character is so minuscule. It's like, it pretty much doesn't really matter if I choose you to die or not. They're set dressings for the story. Like, oh, Yeah, if they um, stick around, yeah. they just have some canned dialogue because they exactly. can't afford to put resources into this exactly. character that no one's going to And see. for me, the fact that you can kill some very, very key characters that have tons of content I think that is fantastic, and then like that. But that's like that's something that I committed to, though. I did kill these characters. And that and is that is unquestionable. You're right about this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- th- this game was clearly a labor of love, and there the. I lo- wonder. I, I wonder if maybe the problem that you're having, AJ, is that I wonder if 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 you did play with the pacifist route if you did actively try to do this, that the game didn't reward you for that the first time through. And it goes, nope, you got to do it all over again, and then I'll give you that reward. See, that is definitely my problem. Right, because for me, that wasn't the case for me, because the first time I played it through, I was just playing it normally. So for me, that reward felt earned. That payoff felt good, because the second time, I actually had to change the way I played. And and for me, it showed like a whole side of the game that I just completely missed. And I agree with that, but I I can think of a couple design choices. I can think of a a couple of design choices which would make that more fulfilling. Uh Is number one, 
I felt like the game was instantaneously telegraphing to me that that's what I was supposed to do, that I was supposed to, I was supposed to be a pacifist, that I was supposed to let things go. It was telegraphing right. that the whole way. And so I thought, this is the mechanic. This is what I'm supposed to do. I abandoned any notion of fighting whatsoever. I never touched it because it felt so clear to me that it was trying to do. And number two, uh, Playing the pacifist role is every bit as easy as it is just to fight the things, maybe even easier. So I think if you're supposed to play the pacifist role and you're supposed to go through a second a second run through of the entire content, it would be way better if fighting was easier. That 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 the the lazier way to play would be fighting. That that it was actually easier to do it that way than the pacifist role. The pacifist role should be way harder. It should be hard to accomplish those things so that you're going I, through your second playthrough that you actually are, are it's like going from normal normal difficulty ramped up to super hard. And I will say, though, that the genocide route is harder yeah, based I, on what I've seen. It's like the bosses are really, the really hard. Um, so I'd say this kind of ties into uh, another issue I have with the game in general is just and, and sort of just the design choices in the combat system is that there is no mastery to it. No, there's not. I never get better at anything. And the better I do at it, I get the same reward. And so, like, if there was something in, the, in you know, when I was trying to be pacifist, and if I'm, like, dodging all their attacks, doing something really well, I don't know, I would get rewarded for this. I would be more inclined to want to do better, right, as a pacifist. Instead, it's just do this same thing over and over again. Even if you're good at it, doesn't matter. Like, I'm I guess sort of you can wondering heal, if that's part but... of the point, though. Like, you kind of want to be a good person regardless if you get rewarded or not. I think that's part, probably kind of baked yeah, but, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's what he means, though. I mean, it, it, it's I more... think that conflicts... If that's the point, that conflicts with the design of the battle system. So, Why if I'm, There's a tension there. If I'm perfect in the, their little minigame, right. I, don't, I don't take a hit. Right. Uh, should that be acknowledged by the other character, or if I survive, right. if I survive by any means possible for X amount of turns, can I get to the desired outcome of the of the of the encounter? And sometimes you can, so you don't really need to be good about it. So you could just like pack, you could pack something to add life, uh, a cinnabon or whatever. Yeah, there's right. tons of healing items. Yeah. Which is the Cinnabon is the one I always went back to because I knew where it was. But <laughs> yeah, you just go back to the first town. Right. And yeah, and, and I feel like you know, we're kind of laughing about this, and there's a lot of good stuff in the game that I like, and we'll get to that. But yeah, there is. I, yeah, and, and I must say I am conflicted, and just just to kind of put it out there, I didn't do the genocide afterwards because I did enjoy the characters and the story enough that I I didn't want to like, I didn't want that to be the story I ended the game with. Right. Um, which is the reason. Which is the reason why it. I watched the genocide well, playthrough without right. without playing See, it. And this is the problem I have with uh, interactive fiction games is because I don't, it is really hard. If you're going to write interactive fiction and then you're going to have multiple outcomes and multiple endings, then those endings and those outcomes have to be all be organic within the motivations of the character, right? Yes. And so if there's going to be. That is one thing I 100% agree with you on. And if, if you're going to have a genocidal outcome, then there needs to be a motivation of the character and, and a way to see that organically emerge and I don't think there would be with this game I don't think there I don't think there is I and, and you see it so many times in interactive fiction that you see one story emerge where that clearly is the story and then this other thing is sort of thrown in there because the author told you this is interactive fiction so we have to give you alternative choices that they never really intended to be exercised I will I have to stop you there so did but either of you run into the character of Chara a little bit okay so, because Chara is the is the original so, human who. So when you name the main character, you actually don't name anyone. You kind of um, name. Sort of. 
Yeah, like you, it doesn't really <laughs> make ori- sense. Because originally you're supposed to be, like the person you're naming is actually like uh, Azrael confusing you, confusing that, confusing Frisk with you, the person that you'd named. I but see. it's really weird. Anyways, yeah, uh, the, the canon sense, name, the canon name is, 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 is Chara, C-H-A-R-A. And I'm, did you guys interact with her very much? I did not. I know so, okay. because you only can on the genocide run. Exactly. So in the genocide run, she is a very direct influence on you. And in fact, the story completely changes because she is actively encouraging you to kill off these characters because she tells you there's no re- she tells you there's no reward for actually helping these people. Like right. pretty but- much, if you offend for your base, she's basically another Flowey. But like more actively engaging with the player. Yeah, she's so just around. This comes back to my point where like if you play a certain way, there is so much content just kind of unlocked. Like I had zero interactions with Char. I didn't even know she was somebody I could interact with, or it was even a character that exists in this game until yeah, I, I seen the genocide route. I looked it up on the wiki because I was curious after right. the second playthrough because I didn't want to. I wanted to see what the genocide route was about without. Like I said, I didn't want to have that experience myself, right? Right. Which is, I think, is a powerful statement for how I did enjoy the game or how much I enjoyed the game. Right. But I still think AJ has a point here because you start the game out and they paint all these monsters as, like, very innocent. There's writing on the wall that, that says they have no power over humans. They, right. The right. only reason they're banished is because humans got scared. and you. Come they're painted as very sympathetic from the get-go. Yeah, and it's so why would, I, why would I ever just go murder them all i think this right com- until i, I think, see chara like that doesn't i think this kind of comes down to sort of what i would say this is something i wanted to point out in the last uh episode that i wasn't able to because of spoilers that i do think the writing is kind of a little bit awkward because there is that yeah. you know in fiction when you write fiction I, I think everybody knows this but just to reiterate um there always needs to be a very strong cause and effect for things which is very 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 hard to do in interactive fiction um so i need to it's you know a lot of people struggle with this, you know, from yeah, there indie, are to, indie to AAA. But um, it's there needs to be a very, very strong cause and effect. And I think that's kind of a little bit lacking in this game a little bit, depending on how you play. If you play exactly a certain way, maybe you can get a very good, cohesive cause and effect experience. But if you kind of don't, then it kind of falls it, apart. It falls apart. Yeah, so it kind of... So for me, I actually kind of count that as kind of a bad thing. Like, if you don't have an exact certain playthrough with this game, the story is just kind of eh, if that makes sense. And like I said, you guys play, wanted to play the pacifist anyways, and yeah. the game was just like, well, just do it again, and you will get the real ending. That is obviously very contrived. But for yeah, me, it, it wasn't, was... because I played... through, And this kind of goes down into, like... You know, this game isn't very... This game is like... It almost feels like the game doesn't want to give you freedom, but decides to give you freedom because it wants to give you... It likes the idea of giving the players freedom, but it, that it does it, that's not written into the story, really. The story doesn't I, really adapt to freedom very well from the player. I agree. I what, So when I played it the second time, and I got... And I, and I found out that I was basically doing the pacifist run the first time, I just couldn't do it. Right. Because it wouldn't let me. Right. You know, I got kind of um, not angry, but I was I was I was frustrated. Annoyed. Yeah, annoyed. That's something I would be annoyed with. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and it, once again, it felt like kind of going back to the way you have to spare certain monsters and things like that. Like I had to read the designer's mind again, and I had to know, oh, I'm supposed to have this first experience. You open up these pathways and pretend I have choice, but then I don't really. 
Because if I want to be a pacifist, I'm still playing neutral. Well, you do and have then, choice in how the end dialogue ends. Sort of like a Papers, Please. You know what I mean? Like, Papers, true. Please have multiple different endings, and the dialogue is just different at the end. Oh, I agree. But, I mean, and not to get too far into Papers, Please, but Papers, Please mechanics directly influenced how I felt about characters, how I felt about, like, my own character in the game, things like that. Whereas this was, like, the mechanics didn't do anything. It was just, like, I read dialogue. And right. I know these characters are sympathetic, right? right. And there was no, there's nothing really, like, attaching me to that and so when i finished the game the first time and i was like i don't know i played a pacifist i don't think i killed anyone in fact it tells you because you talk to sans or yes sans, I guess, he, he gives you at a the call. end yeah well and so you know and i saved the snowman that was kind of cool but um or i didn't save the snowman i, I brought you him around you the world saved, you saved the pizza st- well, I, I yeah it was really I, creepy to be honest i'm carrying a piece of snowman around with me it's a little strange but yeah i just um you know, like, it was like, oh, yeah, I saved everyone, and now, and I and I do think, you know, we need to talk about the save system here in a minute, but I I saved everyone, and then it was like, well, I still have to just play this all the way through again, I guess, to be a pacifist, and it was just frustrating and, and boring, and I couldn't speed anything up, and it was, it was not a fun experience until the very end when I unlocked things I couldn't do, like Alphys's lab and things yeah. like that. And yeah. that, 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 like yeah. the, the boss fight, the second go around was really cool. Um, See, for yes. you guys, that second, that boss fight second round, that was for me like the entire second playthrough. Exactly. That's, that's, that change was super cool. It was like, oh, this this all changed up. No, this is great. you don't know what I mean. What I mean is like, well, for yeah, me, you that change was from time, the, right? yeah. For me, that change was from the very beginning because you know I killed Toriel from the very. Be- I didn't even know how you you're, could a save her. Well, you're a monster. Well, monster. Stand my ground. I'll hire sweet my old lady. Whatever. Anyways, so like when I first went through that from that very dialogue where it says you you could have sworn you've seen her before. It's like oh you know, and she's like oh you look like you've seen a ghost. I thought that was really cool. From that point on. Every, most of the step of my way through the second playthrough was completely different, which but, is why I thought you guys would have enjoyed the second playthrough. But once again, yeah. I mean, it's uh, how I played the first time, how I played the second time are the barriers between how I played are nothing but how I decided to do it. And once again, if you're going to invite a player to come back to play a different way, uh, it should be come back and invite them to play a different way. And you're now more enabled to do that because you've mastered a mechanic. Now you shouldn't be able to, you should be able to do it. And it, it, it isn't, it's a simple choice of it's, it's an choice by clearly I'm supposed to save people, but I can't save people. The, I mean, maybe the first to go around, like I want to save everyone, but if I do, I'm going to die or it's too hard to do that. Or, or there's some sort of mechanical way to, of stopping you from, being able to save everyone because you're not powerful enough, you haven't mastered mechanic enough, you haven't grinded enough, some sort of RPG element. It's not like I, I just looked at the, I looked at innocent little little childlike monsters and a lot of them and identified oh, yeah. very easily. I'm little not supposed froggy to froggy monster, and I'm, you're like, I'm not gonna kill this thing. I, I'm not supposed to fight. I'm supposed to spare. And so that that would seem very clear. It's pretty much just as easy to do either or, and yeah. once again, if you're supposed to go through, they should be able to ramp up the difficulty level. To make it actually challenging to do that, be, taking the pacifist role should be more than a choice. It should be an achievement, and it just wasn't. And it should I be difficult. I, I, I don't totally know if I agree with that because I think part of this game's message is that you have a choice in how you enter. Well, this to bring this more beyond the game is just in. I think the game's trying to say like in life you have different choices in how you want to interact with people, I agree. and sometimes that is. That is not necessarily like, oh, it's more difficult if I interact with somebody. That it's like a choice. Like, do I be antagonistic against this person or do I not? Well, so I think it's I think it's okay to have that choice if 
if you are given a more compelling reason to have that dilemma, if that makes sense. Because for me, like, I, the game gave me no reason for me to really make a choice, if that makes sense. I kind of well, wouldn't... I just think that it's like a false, it's like a false dichotomy. Like, oh, you can just make this choice. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. <laughs> and it's just like, well, okay, but that doesn't really like tell me anything. Like, there's no, there's no real choice because choices should have consequences, and choices should be should be borne out through your actions. Your choices not... do have consequences, though. Characters will just disappear, and you will see very... The game will treat well, you very differently depending on I don't, whether and you I mean, kill them or not. I mean the choice... Basically, it all boils down to the fight system and in the game, in the fight system to spare or to kill. That's really the only choice in the game. Okay. And, and you make that choice multiple times. That's the only choice. Okay. And the issue is, to me, is that choice is... I mean... I'm going to say literally black and white because it is. It's black and white text. Right, but right. but it's actually just, do I spare or do I kill? And there's no real actionable difference because they're both about maybe the same difficulty. I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't you know, know. pacifist uh, is harder or easier. It's, it's, or sometimes yeah. it's just a hunt and peck. It's not like... I think I pacifist is supposed to be harder because with if you actually fight them, you can get rid of that minigame earlier, which I have right. seen that people complain about that it was too hard. So maybe you guys are just really good at bullet time. Or yeah, I mean, I'm hell. just I'm just a really good yeah. gamer. If so you, I'm pro. If you do choose a pacifist, you always have to go through a, a large number of those bullet time. And I guess that's supposed to express that, you know, if you do a pacifist, it is harder. Um, so, maybe. I mean, uh, mechanics. Is it harder more, or is it longer? Because I, 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 uh, I don't... Well, I think that's a I distinction that's that, the... that this game doesn't really make. And I would say... I, I would agree with you that that might be an issue. Because I think this game does... It does make things longer when it's supposed to be harder. If yeah. that makes sense, yeah. Which is why I played more hours than you, JJ. Because right. I played it fast fist all the way through the first time, right? And I right. did like side quests and stuff. But... Yeah, I mean, my first time I just didn't bother. I was just like, I just want to get to the end. I want to leave this place just to see what it's like. So I just thought that was a normal ending. I actively, see, I, just... I actively sought the normal ending, which in an, oh. any other RPG is just to kill. But it, yeah. It's... And when kill monsters, yeah, and when the monsters did want to run away actively in the battle, I was like, okay, that's different, and I just let them go. So, okay, I just I feel like in its attempt to like sort of eschew all of the trappings of RPGs, turn it on its head, it sort of just threw everything out, right? Yeah, it didn't yeah. it didn't keep enough to really say here is this RPG genre. Let me flip it. It just sort of said, well, this is supposed to be an RPG, and you can tell because it has a battle system and it looks like an RPG. Right. The UI but it's not actually similar. an RPG at all. And I think there's a difference there. Like, mechanically, it's not really an RPG. Right. Well, no, I, I would mean, agree. I, I, I would sort of agree with that. And that, I think that's my biggest issue with it, is that it, it didn't work within the confines of a JRPG to really do you think it turn been, it on its head. I think you, it just sort of got think, rid of a lot of the trappings. Do you think it would have been better if this game was just made with, like, a, a, just outright an adventure game i i do actually i think it just if it was just an adventure game i think it'd be a better game right okay um, See, okay and i also think if it respected my pacifist choice the first playthrough i'd have been happy right too. that's one of that's one thing actually that i you know not to go back too far into witness but um if you haven't this is a spoiler on the witness just a warning so if you listen to this without playing through the witness or care whatever but uh, i know in the witness with the first i'll i'll be vague but with the first puzzle to get to the other weird ending you can actually get that immediately on your first playthrough yeah and for jonathan blow he said that he doesn't want to hide the super special secret thing all the way to the end of the game 
Like, if you are aware enough and you are knowledgeable enough to get to it, so be it. Just get to right. it. And it's that, it's and that just goes, like the Brian Moriarty yeah. Secret of Psalm 46. We I was going to say, that gets back to the Psalm 46, is if you have something that's special in your game, don't hide that. Have that be the forefront of the game and try to expand upon that as much as you can without stalling. And this right. game felt like stalling when you when it literally didn't allow you to do pacifist the first time. Yeah, it stalled. It hit it as an Easter egg, basically. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, to I feel overly cynical when I talk about this, but the game the game was not going to let the opportunity to go to show you its biggest gimmick, which was the character the character supersedes the save game file. And right. characters are inter- that is interacting we need to with talk about. interacting with UI itself of the game. Uh, that that and that was dramatic and that was cool and that was once again kind of the bait and switch of of a, it was an expectation violation of this game is much more in depth than than it seems to be. But I think that than an eighty RPG <laughs> but, but I, <laughs> that it I, looks I, like yeah. yeah. But I think that that supposed more depth is a gimmick. Um, it, it, it's not really a mechanic. It, it's I'm going to show you that the game is interacting with your save game file, or or interacting with the user interface of the opening menu itself. It's it's so yeah. many so many things that are that are gimmicky and and clothing themselves. So you, as, so you don't like the the breaking the fourth wall thing that the game does? No, I I I, I do like it. I mean, I, I'm okay with it. It's fine, but I think it is not a, it's not enough for it. To it's a gimmick. It it's own. a gimmick for dramatic flair, and I, I buy that. But there, there was just if you're going to do that, more game, more payoff for that. I mean, come mm, on. Okay. I feel like it, it. That's the hook it hangs its its hat on, right? Like that's where it says, "Look, you played through the first game, and now we're messing with your save file." And it's like, look, I played Metal Gear Solid in the '90s. I know I put my controller into port two so I can trick Psycho Manus. I understand spoilers. Yeah, sorry. Metal Gear Solid spoilers. Um, But yeah, it's like, I understand fourth wall breaking mechanics. And it's cool that you're doing it, but you don't need to punch me in the face with it. Like, I get it. (laughs) That's kind of like, that's kind of the Deadpool thing. Exactly. It's yeah, it's like, I don't need to be like told over and over again. Oh, look, Flowey, like you are your character, I guess. And Flowey is the other character. And those are the only two characters that have the power to change the save file. And Flowey is going to make it. So the first time you play through, you have to play again because He's going to corrupt your save file. He's going to kill you over over and over again. You're going to load up. And and it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. And after, like, the second time, I was like, okay, can I just kind of get on to the next playthrough? Like, I get it. Flowey's all powerful or something. And they kind of pay that off in the pacifist role with, like, the, you know. I do do kind of agree that this game is is a little bit self-indulgent, which I think is... Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I I think it's... I, I would describe it as undisciplined because yes, like, like, like I, said, I would agree with that. I would there, totally agree with that. There, there are so many elements in this game that, on their own, uh, in, in a vacuum, are really good. And there's so mm-hmm. much, there's so much uh, attention to detail with those little things. There's so many juicy things, like, like, I mean, Sans and Papyrus, how you can, how you can tell their emotional state with, with the font of, of their, right. of their dialogue. I mean, things, <laughs> you things that like last that. Time. I, I yeah, mean, that's great. I mean, there, there were tons of little attention to detail things and, and a lot of depth through a lot of things. It's just, it, like, I, I mean, it goes back to my original premise that I'm being really redundant on, is that it's this game couldn't decide what it wanted to be. And in not deciding what it wanted to be and trying to be all those experiences and, and all the same thing, it, it really made all those individual elements, which are successful on their own, ineffective, I thought. Uh, it needed some discipline. It, it failed to be more than the sum of its parts. It did. 
It did. That's a, that's the right way to say it. It did. And it, I think if it decided to excel in any one of these or two or three of these features, I think the game would have been better. What are some? What are a couple of features that you think the game should have focused? Is it an RPG with a unique combat system? Is it an adventure game with uh, multiple story branches? Uh, so to, you, so to improve this game, let's say hypothetically to take your first response, you would take out. All right, uh, I hope to. You would, you would take out. You yeah. would take out the branching. You would take out the branching and the multiple uh, ways to interact with monsters and I, just make it more of an RPG. No, I think I think the multiple I think the interactive fiction is the non-negotiable in this game. Okay, I, I think that's I think the I don't I don't mean to like grill you. I'm like sincerely curious. No, but but yeah. see, I, here's I think, a designer challenge. I, I designer think the, challenge. I think the RPG hmm. elements are set dressing because I think he's an RPG fan, so we included those elements at least <laughs> at least very oh yeah cosmetically. But I think I think the uh, the interactive fiction and story branches I think are the non-negotiable of this game. Right. And I think I think he just should have so, gone with it. Focus on that more versus trying to focus on that exclusively. Understanding that's the game you're making, mm-hmm. and not just say I there. There's all these other games and all these things that I like as a designer, I, and I've had fun with, and I'm just going to throw them all in there. So essentially, you agree with Mike that this should be more of an adventure game. I well, that's up to the designer, not me. But I, I think. Well, I'm asking for your assessment. You think yeah, it no, would be a bad I, game I think that's what the game he set out to make. I think that was his non-negotiable. I think okay. it's an okay. adventure game. Yeah, I mean, and, and, we're not I, we're not like telling Toby Fox what to do, right? No, it's just I'm just asking for you. Like if if, if Toby Fox gave you this game, it was just like here, fix this. Like that's how you would probably fix it, right? Hypothetically, okay, yeah. Cool. And I I, I kind of gets into. I mean, we're we're getting dangerously close to me getting on a diatribe of 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 how I think everybody does interactive fiction wrong. <laughs> um, but we'll save that maybe for uh, yeah, maybe that's, that's another topic. another yeah, episode. It. Yeah, that's not this episode, right? But I mean, I would like to say that we're critiquing it pretty harshly on certain things that you know I think that deserve critique. But I sort did, of the lunar narrative en- dissonance, essentially. Yeah, but I did enjoy the game a lot, and there was a lot of really good stuff in it. That I found, I mean, there were a lot of good callbacks to things that I enjoyed. There was a little Final Fantasy VI uh, opera callback that warmed my heart a little bit as a big Final Fantasy VI I was fan. actually super annoyed by that reference because it was, like, uh, super long. And I was just like, can I just go you, through the At least it? you can skip it the second time. Which, uh, okay. and that's another thing, is the second playthroughs, there were a lot of things that you could just skip. Things like fighting uh, Metatron, when you don't have to fight his, like, box version. You can just fight the... The guy with the arms and legs, basically. Right. Uh, you know, the, the last fight. There were, you know, a lot of a lot of smart decisions were made as far as, you know, letting you skip things on subsequent playthroughs. Uh, you know, changing things up so you didn't have to have like the same interaction. You could, you could speed it up a little more or like give you a little more context. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff like that. Um, I, I liked. I didn't think the references were ever done. I liked it. And I thought there was a lot of good comedy writing. A lot of the comedic stuff I thought so was very I. funny. Yes. We kind of. And I guess. I, and I, we're kind of, I guess, moving a little bit to talk about the story, right? Like the, the actual sure, yeah. of the story. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah I, mean, no, I, I mean, kind of feel like as a as a comedy game, it may have been better. Um, right. Or probably like probably more successful than a lot of comedy games. Comedy oh, yeah. is really, really difficult to do in video games. Like, I think it is. And I think he did a really good job in this game, actually. There are, there are times I, I genuinely laughed at this game, and I don't do that to games very often. Right. Um, and so I was, I was really pleased with that stuff. And I was like, this stuff is like really smart and funny. There were like, there was like dumb little things. Like, did you, did you get the artifact where you have to play the piano with the notes and all that? Yes. Did which was an earthbound reference. 
Right, and then you get, but there's no artifact. You just get like dog stuff in your bag, and that's like all that happens. Yeah, and then if you use it, you yeah. just get more dog stuff. And I was like, this is funny. This is good. Like, this is a funny mechanic to add into the thing. I'm just filling up my bags with crap because I think it's an artifact I'm supposed <laughs> to get. Right. And it's like, yeah, no, this is good. This is really good. There is a point to that, though. But yes, it is mostly there's a joke. Yeah, right. Um, I um, would say that I think I would agree on the humor. Although I do think this game, this kind of goes into my anti-postmodernist thing. But I, I kind of feel like the some of the fourth wall references are a little bit much for me. Like, and I, uh, yeah, I, maybe, I don't, maybe. I don't like stuff. And this kind of goes just into writing in general, just kind of my issues with a lot of stuff beyond games in movies and TV and whatever. I don't like it when things actively lie to the player or actively mislead them and goes, ha, it's this. Gotcha. I don't like that. Like, What are you the, referring the, to specifically when you the say The LV that? is level of violence. And oh, the, yeah. And the um, experience is execution points. Was I thought like you could have just told me that at the beginning. Like I get that's ha exp is want something you want to get. You know when you're in an RPG. Yeah. And this is bad. Like, you could have told me that in the beginning. Yeah. Like, See, I feel later like... on when that was flipped, when Sans said that, I was just like, yeah. I, I found that dialogue specifically pretty horrible. See, I feel like so. you can do that once. Like, yes. I can give you that one time. And, like, if that was the one time they did it in the game, then... I think, okay. that's, I think that's something that probably could have been tailored to how the player played through. Like, if the player actively went through genocide on the first run-through, then a character could just be then like, Then you can pull hey. the rug out from under him. Exactly. And for me to do that later on, I, I don't like that. Like, I take issues with any stuff that's just, like obscuring something about this thing and actively misleading your audience and then just going like ha aren't you dumb for not realizing yeah, I, mean, that? I, I really really hated that it, it um, sort of it sort of goes back to what i was referring to kind of the bait and switch thing uh, right it, it, i think it, i think it, a lot of the the fourth wall stuff and some of the references bait are, switch, are bait yeah. and switch. I, I generally don't like that in writing um i think some of the dramatic parts are mostly well done but this goes back to kind of my issue that i mentioned at the beginning of this episode where i thought the ending was a little bit convoluted it was um it was a little bit it got bit, to a it, it was got a, to a point where it was very confusing yeah just it kind was of like i guess good stuff's happening i don't know it's kind of anime-esque which i know toby fox yeah. is a big first of all i like anime drives me nuts sometimes like just with the the magical mystical stuff and just the powers you gotta all that all this convoluted nature of like somebody's power and their inner spirit like anime loves to do stuff like that and um i thought at the end it kind of veered towards a little bit more um what's the word i'm looking for silly and then it took that silliness seriously that turn to me at the end i didn't totally like i did like the ending with the as like with asriel he's like he wants to keep you here because like he's yeah. basically dead but like that whole part dead and lonely basically yeah well Which, but yeah I, I i really like that that was awesome that was like that was really good characterization but yeah, like, i think i think you can relate to that as a yeah person, right? but everything before that like how flowery became asriel is just like i this is losing me like yeah, all of, and, like I thought it was a joke at first, and I laughed at like you know like Gurren Lagann. Like most of stuff that happens in anime is like totally a joke. To be but honest, then like that later object, 
that yeah, exact portion you're referring to, I, I didn't really understand how the hell that happened or what was happening. And I, I kind of, I went and watched a YouTube video so I could watch it again. <laughs> so I could try to figure out what the hell was going on this time. Yeah. I, well, so a lot of that stuff was actually told to you in Alphys's lab, right? That the secret, if you read the wall stuff, basically, no, kind of went through how she took some spirits and she put it into a flower. Well, because, because monster souls are like, it's this whole dichotomy between like human souls are different yeah, than monster human. souls and like yeah, I thought that was overdone. At first, I thought it was a joke. Like I thought this was something I was supposed to laugh at because look at how convoluted this all this. Then I was supposed to take it seriously. That yeah. that flip, I think, you know, I don't want I don't want to be too hard like be a dick about it, but I I, I would prefer that was just kind of handled with a little bit more grace and just a little bit better than like your typical anime style of writing that. Um, I also don't like when characters change because they did something magical, if that makes sense. Like, I like character changes when it comes from their own internal conflicts rather than, I sucked all this soul. Oh, these souls made me remember or think about these things in a different way. Oh, I guess I'm a good guy now. I really hate that. I really hate it when, when, when a character changes just because they did something super magical and that magic made them realize the beauty of friendship or whatever i prefer that change was more because of themselves rather than something they did externally especially if it's magic this right. kind of yeah, gets into, an internal conflict versus an external conflict. yeah this kind of gets into just kind of nitpicks about some of the dramatic elements of i guess story and writing and i guess i am i'm being a little bit harsh about it but there was there's a lot of emotional whiplash for me at the end. Um, ultimately, I, I did like the ending. I, it did kind of bring me around to buying it. But that those bumps along the way, I think, are worth noting. I agree. And I, and I, I was a little disappointed in the ending after it treated a lot of the other characters. It did a really good job of, of treating them respectfully and, and really well. So, like, there's kind of a love story between... Um, Undyne and Alphys. Undyne and Alphys. And, you know, it's not, and, and they're both female from what I understand, right? Yes. But, like, gender yeah, kind of becomes unimportant in this world, and there's all these, like, and I think, you know, there's a lot of the LG, uh, LGBT things. LGBT, uh, thank you, community as well, you know, in games at least, that, that really see this as a, as a really well-done well representation. They're just people who, like, the gender isn't a huge deal, the, the sexual orientation isn't a huge deal. You can flirt with Papyrus. In fact, my first playthrough, I flirted with him just to see. I flirted with Toriel just because I was like, I can flirt with Toriel. Let's see what happens. That's kind and of, I also called her mom, kind of, and she was like, this creepy. is weird. Yeah, it was creepy. It was weird. But it was supposed to be, right? I was like, okay, let's just see what happens, right? Because um, I really wasn't like attached to the character at that point. So I was like, let's just hit all these, di- <laughs> let's, let's hit all these dialogue buttons and see how the game responds. Even when you're doing basically. it then, you, you, mean you literally said you wanted to see what happens. So you're literally doing there, there's no There's no causation or, or trying to acquire a specific outcome. You just wanted to see what happens. It's trial and error. And, right. And as, as the player, I thought... It was nice that they made the player androgynous and genderless for the most part, from what I can tell, or I can remember. But, you know, just, like, flirting with Papyrus, it was like, this guy's cool. Maybe my character wants to, you know, date this dude. I don't know. He's funny. But, like, it wasn't... It didn't really gain me anything mechanically or uh, narratively other than some jokes. But the way they handled things like Alphys and Undyne, I think, was more important. Uh, and, and I think and it was much, better done. Can I, much better done. I mean, I, I'm hesitating to bring this notion up but the character i mean so you, you start off and and you you're literally you're literally having your hand held to 
traverse this environment and you have this mother figure who's, who's helping you. And the implication was that, that you're not only a child, that you're a young child. Um, uh, uh, yeah, you, kind of. I you, think. Didn't, you didn't like that? No, I, I thought it was it was it, I it weirded me out of these sort of romantic undertones that the game was taking, like, and also giving you these visual cues and and story cues that that it's not only a young person but it's a young child, and and it's kind of it was a little bit uncomfortable to have these notions that there's these romantic attachments and flirting thing options and things like that with somebody child. that yeah. is. I, I mean that that, it, that was those were interesting choices to me. And I, I thought, I thought, okay, well, the the game is not being clear about what if, about the age of the character either. But but I yeah. th- sort of thought I, that was uncomfortable for me, and I, I didn't I didn't know what direction it was going with that. And it sort of was. See, I guess at some point I just became the main character for me, and so it was just like I was my age, even I, though you're totally right, though. It's kind of funny because like I actually didn't even explore that option like, um, and when I I actually do have I know this from Toby Fox saying it himself, which is really rare. It's kind of hard to find much information about the guy, but he did say that when he created Torio and the whole like leading the character around, like that was a joke on tutorial characters because right. oftentimes tutorial characters will like tell you what to do and then you would try it out. And he said that if a character is that concerned about you, you figure they just do all the puzzles for you and just lead you through. So I actually like that part. But the funny thing did, is with the romance the... thing, I didn't really pursue that very much. So that might have colored my experience. But like the very optics, she's taller than you, way taller than you. You, you no, I know, right. I know. But I'm holding I, your hand up to hold her hand. I know, the, but the I, implication I didn't, I didn't is realize, that I didn't realize that like you even had the option to romance her. I don't, I don't, don't really. There's I don't think you one. Do, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, later on, I thought the romances were used as a bit of a joke. That's happens, that happens a lot in anime, too. Like, oh, here's this kid that romances that some, that might have a romance with this weird adult character. Oh, isn't that funny? It's like... I, I, I it's think it is, like but, a, but it, yeah. don't, don't you think... That is an like, anime thing. Through the motivations of the character and the reactions of the character... Are going to be dramatically different depending on if the character is a is a young adult, a teenage child versus a small child. That and in this game, I don't, game, the, I don't char- think there's very much motivation with the main protagonist. I think he's kind of written as like an avatar. Kind the of characters character. around him are going to treat the character different depending on if it's a, if it's an adult or a child. Right. That's and, true. Or Definitely. and it sort of sort of treats think- you as all three. I think uh, it, I think yeah. it was just meant as a joke that it was inappropriate, but I do get your point. Like yeah, that's I know I agree that I they, mean it a is lot inconsistent of, about what age it treats you as. For sure. A lot sometimes of sometimes I, I mean, feel like adults. I, like, I will yeah. I will say though that's a problem with anime, which you know, like in Gundam, there's these bunch of child soldiers that like murder and mass murder a bunch of people, and they're supposed to be like thirteen, and then sometimes they have this like weird high school teenage romance, but then they go off and like do adult things and be and like are like beaten up and stuff like that so i think that's the general problem with just kind of anime writing 
and I do kind of count that as a bit of a negative. If that makes sense. I can see if you're if you're implying as as you are, well, not really implying, just saying that this is very anime influenced or like anime writing. Yeah, it's totally anime influenced. Influenced. Yeah, in which case, yeah, I mean that happens all the time. I, yeah, I, I think, I, I think it kind of sucks. Yeah, I, I think some of the problems with Undertale with the writing just kind of stems from its original influence of the problems that anime writing just generally have. Yeah, and I do think that there is a a very easy through line from. Um, anime to japanese video games which are this is basically a japanese rpg right american style right and so like a lot of his influence makes sense right right um but i do also agree with aj that i didn't feel a consistency in how i was treated what what age i was like papyrus just treated me as a dude or a person <laughs> um even though like i think i'm eight i don't know like i don't know how old <laughs> i am like i'm this tiny little kid but yeah i can flirt so i was just assuming i was older and just the sprite work was just made to look like a normal character in an earthbound game or something so right. i don't really and know th- right. this is a this is a very personal taste sort of thing and games do this all the time the more an interactive fiction that i'm told fill in the blanks it is whatever you want it to be um, the, the more I'm told that whatever you want it to be experienced, this is a sandbox of a story. You just make it anything you want it to be, the less interested I am. I will um, 100% agree with you on that. Um, because, I mean, it goes back to my original notion of, of, of it's a game. And part of the game is figuring out the intentions of the author and, and what story are you writing. And you give me the pieces and, and, and I'll take you there. And if those elements are, it doesn't matter. I don't care. You you can just make it whatever you want it to be. That's less interesting to me. I, mean, I think I, that I think that kind of goes into the whole like Dungeons and Dragons kind of thing because with a lot of tabletop RPGs, you do build your own story. But in that one, you literally have infinite influence in how, what happens because you have you have a dungeon master that's a person that's you're building a story together. And I think right. I do think a lot of games try to emulate that. And I think. Well, there's actually an, a very interesting through line to the JRPG as it stands, uh, and I don't, I don't want to get into it too heavily, but but it but JRPGs kind of originated from was it Dragon Quest, uh, Dragon Dragon Quest one and, and Final Fantasy, right? The original ones, right, right. But they were actually aping uh, wizardry from the US mm. and kind of doing their own spin on it. Wizardry was this sort of like supposed to be this like open world or not really open world, but sort of like based off of the dungeon. I may be a little wrong on the on, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe a little wrong on the, on the through line here. But it kind of became this sort of Americanized Dungeons and Dragons thing to this computer game thing to this, like, uh, I guess, you know, Japanified, I guess, version of wizardry, which right. has now become into this own other thing. And so, yeah, you, def- you definitely see that sort of tension, though, where you look at these open, you know, JRPGs, and they're a lot... They're a lot more like i said more different uh, differently open than uh u.s you know rpgs things like that uh western rpgs and so you have that tension in this game as far as like with interactive fiction i don't think you know western rpgs do a great job either but right right this is not like a u.s rpgs are better than jrpgs kind of thing yeah no no no, no there no, is I, I do see a clash too and that's something that kind of rpg designers always just kind of struggle with just kind of how much freedom right. you give the player? How much agency? What is agency in the game that you only? Yeah, have what does it mean in the context yeah. of this game? And yeah, yeah, you can't actively have a dungeon master in the game 
work yeah. it out with you. We don't have hey, a, we don't have AI yet, so I like to pitch you my Kickstarter where oh. uh, we hire a person for each game sold. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, we're and we're talking a lot about these issues, but I did want to sort of bring up the the public opinion yeah. of Undertale in somewhat. And this game was, I would say, heavily lauded. Yeah, yeah. No, there yeah. was there was some there was some backlash with a certain subset of people, but yeah, mostly but mostly the, positive. That's the outlier, for sure. Yeah, I mean, th- this game was this game was very successful and won lots and lots and lots of awards, and it, it was lots of people's game of the year and indie game of the year. And and so my question is why? I mean, like we all I think we're up on it for the most part. We enjoyed it. We I am have, more up on you guys, but I do see yeah, your problem. I would recommend this game to people, but right. I mean, it's winning, you know, game game of the year awards from a few people. Do you think this? Do you think this might just be because there's not as many interesting games we made out there, and most games are just kind of rehashes with a different? I don't scale? know. I think the game has a lot of a lot to say about popular culture and a lot a lot about about political thematics that are relevant. So I think that's to its benefit, and I like what it does to that to that end. I think the game also it it, it takes all these. I mean, I've heard it get lauded many times for taking all these traditional RPG elements and literally the language it gets applied to that and flipping them on its head. So you and, disagree with that assessment that it does yeah, I, re, that it does subvert RPG elements? You disagree with that? No, I I, I think it does. I just don't think it does it well. Oh, um, okay. I get and, you. I get right. You. I mean, I sort I of think, disagree in the fact that maybe it doesn't. It doesn't really because it just removes them. But. Right. I think I think maybe there's a lot of points given for just sort of novelty. If that makes sense. And, and so of- that that's sort of what I want to talk about is is and I want to give it credit for that too. Of it is experimental and it is not redundant. It is not the it is not the same thing all over again. And so it gets so much credit for trying to do this other thing and and trying to reinvent these elements in a in a new combination and. And in some ways, it could have been very cool. And so, how much are we? How much are we giving credit to games by simply not being overly redundant, not being the same, not not just cashing in on established precedent over and I over think, and over again versus how well it's actually doing it? I think we give a lot of credit to that, just in general. Just kind of, I'd say, game criticisms in general, just kind of the mm-hmm. games journalist journalism collective. I think anytime they see something that's kind of, you know, because you know, as gamers, even amongst us at, at this roundtable, we uh, we're very very familiar with games just in general. Like, oh, yeah. almost to the point where, if somebody were to criticize, if a non-gamer were to criticize something that a game does, we can our reaction are often like, you just don't get it because you don't play games, right? It's like yeah, it's, these true. kind of things are like very yeah. entrenched in us. So when somebody comes to these different Desi- with these very established design ideas and even tries to flip them, we go, holy shit. Wow, this is so different. Yeah, it freaks and, people and, out. They right. go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. And you see that it, it might just be that. It might be that that this the reaction to this game could be more of the industry groaning at the same precedent being cashed in on over and over and over again, including uh, yeah. more more recently, even in the indie scene, Everything is is kind of oh, yeah. I think blurred. indie with a capital I, right? Right, it gets blurred and blurred and blurred together, and so uh, like everyone else, I, I want to give Toby Fox all, all all sorts of props for 
for two things for trying something different number one but for clearly attaching so much detail and so much work and such a labor of love there's so much juice to this game and so many so many layers and so many hidden details that i mean those alone could carry you carry you through a playthrough of this game there there's so much unexpected where he didn't little things that he didn't have to do but he did do and especially right. with the resources that he had to do it are are there are so many pleasant little surprises of things of things to like but at the same time he likes everything way too much and I think I think that's kind of the problem with just if the culture is a little bit too insular with itself, mm. it can give it can give its it can pat itself on the back for recognizing themselves, if that makes sense. Right. Like, this speaks to that sub genre indie game culture and says, Hey, we're gonna switch things up and everyone goes, Yeah, good job, guys. You did it, you switched things up a little and, bit. And yeah. it's like, well, you did, it's, but I think I think I should point out that I don't think this game Right, a hundred percent on just novelty. Uh, or just no, 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 different. no. Um, there is an RPG I wanted to bring up, and we might do it in a future episode. Uh, Winter Voices. It tries to do its creative genesis is mostly this. I mean, besides it being a, you know, more of a Western RPG, but it's it right. the creators wanted to take the RPG uh, convention to flip it on its head, and it did it quite poorly. Uh, and that studio is kind of defunct now, but it didn't sell well people essentially ignored it and it got one of like the lowest rated rpgs of pretty much ever like i've seen of indie rpgs yeah, the general opinion is that it's not it's really bad yeah but it I, I played quite a bit of it and it is really really different really really different different art style it's isometric it's uh it has a it has a very 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 serious story about depression and it's it's i don't want to say it's topical but it is kind of topical about like you trying to feel more for the characters that you're playing and it got completely ignored and destroyed so i don't think undertale completely rides on that but i do kind of maybe agree that it might be just a tad overhyped yeah i would say i would say the reason i i feel like i'm coming down kind of hard on a lot of its a lot of the major points of undertale um, at least personally, is much more more so than I want to, honestly, because I, I feel like I really enjoyed it. But for me, it's because there is something there that I just I don't think was teased out all the way enough. Teased out enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I and I wish it would have been. Um, and so that's where my disappointment is. I still think it's a very good game that I would recommend to people, especially if you can go in cold knowing nothing. Yeah. Sounds like JJ did which is, much better. Which opinion. is like too late if you listen to this part of it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Hey, we gave him the phase one. We gave him the phase one. And it's in one way this game can be a victim of its own success in that in that I played the game for the first time and I already knew a little bit. I mean, I knew about Undertale as being the game that everyone says was the greatest thing since sliced bread. That was my experience of it. Beyond that, I knew nothing about it. And so, I mean, given that, given that those were the expectations that I was setting for or trying to see why this game is sort of this transformational thing, I, I mean, that probably jaded me a little bit for the, to the game's imperfections and, and had me paying attention to more maybe what the game did wrong than what it did right. Um, but I think what is very clear about this game is that Toby Fox is extremely talented. And I think what was, for me, what was what was preventing this game from being great this game needed your traditional you needed playthrough feedback you need to go back to the drawing board needed a little bit of cut 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 this game was this game was Essent- this game needed was a couple iterations of being great essentially be a little bit more disciplined 
Yeah, discipline. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and perhaps maybe have a couple voices in the design room that, that said that some of these things are extraneous. But but once again, going back yeah. to, that, to that lens of giving him credit for taking on design challenges that other people don't want to take on or, or don't take on because they're too hard, he did try to take them on. And he did a lot of things that were very effective, and a lot of the things he did are very, very, very good. And he clearly is very talented and very clearly loves games and is very informed about them and threw a lot of things in there. And, and right. so I, I think the game... I think the game is worth is worth a playthrough and maybe even worth two so that you can get through all the actual content. Depending on the first playthrough. Right. See, yeah. Yeah. The game Which is, is... Two playthroughs is actually one playthrough in this game. But, right. Yeah. But pretty much. And the genocide and, playthrough is your essentially uh, second second type playthrough? I don't know. Yeah, I you should could, watch you a Let's Play you could, that. You could do genocide in your second playthrough and that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think that stuff is, is interesting. but I will say, though, I think it is to the game's credit that a lot of people don't really want to play the genocide playthrough. A yeah, lot that, of people are very, very squeamish about that. So Yeah, I had mentioned it in the beginning. I, I didn't want that experience at the end. I just didn't. like. I enjoyed the characters enough. I enjoyed the playthrough enough, being a pacifist, that I didn't want to ruin all that. And I know it's... You know, at some point you think, oh, this is ridiculous. This is, these are digital things. These aren't, like, real characters, right? Like, you know, it's, it's kind of, you kind of get that sort of dissonance. But I, I just really didn't want to do it. And uh, I thought about it a couple times, and I just couldn't. So, you know, that's a credit. That's a credit to the game and a credit to Toby Fox, for sure. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, what, are we, what, are we, what game are we going to review next? I think we're going to do Lisa, which so, is pretty much the at least how I would describe it, pretty much the exact polar opposite of Undertale. It was mostly released at... Uh, if, well, for I mean, the fact, it's not Call of Duty. Let's not... Let's well, not I mean, for the, fact, for the fact that I'm talking about this so much, I, did, I picked this game for the group as well. But it's, 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 <laughs> most, it's mostly released to relative obscurity. Um, a lot of people did enjoy it. It's not... Like I said, it's not Winter Voices. It didn't get bashed. It's not completely forgotten. But definitely very, very underground and under the radar in regards to accolade and attention. Um, and it is another Earthbound inspired RPG. And pretty much it is a very traditional game. Pretty much the elements pretty much the elements of an RPG are completely there and polished and tuned out. And nothing is really subverted, except for the fact that it is a side-scrolling RPG, side-scrolling overworld instead of the top-down. So that would be interesting for you guys to compare and contrast this game with that that other. Yeah, game. Our, our tentative plan so far is to treat Lisa um, as an, our our next game in sort of a kind of a double, you know, small series of Undertale and Lisa, and kind of look at the contrasts, you know, compare and contrast the two, right? Contrast each and see how they, um, you know, they play off each other, both play off the same sort of material. Uh, and so we're looking to do that for possibly the next two episodes. We will Probably three. That's a very long game. Some, yeah, it, we'll it's see. maybe three, and it may be that third one that we really get into the, the nitty-gritty of how it differs from Undertale and, you know, what the influence is really, uh, you know, what influenced it and what, what parts they took away. All right, sounds good. Should we see how much I can I can butcher this outro this time? Our opening music is by YMVST, extended by IG, IJSF. Our closing music that you're going to be listening to right now is Dual Static by Triac. If you like our wonderful cover art, and I like our wonderful cover art, is by Meg Wood. She's an indie game artist who has worked on Rising Legends, Pursuit of Power, and Lug Dunnan. Pursuit if of you, Power 2. 
Pursuit of Power 2. Thank Second you. One. If you'd Second like to con contact her, you can find her at Cosmic Kitty with Cosmic with a K and Kitty with two T's. I, I only say that because JJ seems to edit it how I say no, this it's, every it's, time. It's Cosmic with a C, but Kitty <laughs> with an I. Okay, Cosmic Kitty. It's very, it's very, very important because you don't want to go to the wrong website for that. So. Well, we've yeah, now I decided. I can't, we can't vouch for any other Cosmic Kitties on the internet. <laughs> CosmicKitty.wix.com. Uh, I am AJ Dimmick, sitting with Mike Hyberger and JJ Wang. We'll see you uh, on our next episode talking about Lisa. See ya. See you guys.